five, four, three, two, one. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Here we go. It's game time. Welcome to Sports and More, where almost anything goes. Coming to you from the marsh just outside of Edmonton, Alberta, here's your host, Dean Millard. It's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Nice to be in orbit. Thank you so much for being a part of this uh, Sports and More podcast. Uh, I'm excited to uh, bring you today's episode. It is the 17th that we've done, and Sports and More, where almost anything goes. Usually we stay away from uh, religion and politics for the most part. This is going to be a little bit of a different show. Uh, I'm going to welcome in Corey Hirsch, who is a uh, analyst on the Canucks Radio Network on Sportsnet 650. But more importantly than that, he is a mental health advocate. So this is going to be a bit of a no-frills episode. Uh, we will have uh, Acme Meat Market Trivia coming up after our Corey Hirsch interview. So um, you will need to do a little bit of research for this one, but you can win a $25 gift card from Acme Meat Market. Find them at 9570 76th Avenue in the Ritchie Market. Check out their website, acmemeatmarket.ca. And uh, this is kind of cool. Um, you know, Corey the Butcher, uh, Corey, Amanda, and their wonderful staff uh, at Acme Meat Market, Corey uh, is going to the World Butchers Challenge in September 2020. And the guy we're talking to today played in the Olympic Games for Canada. So some good synergy there. Corey's basically on the Canadian Olympic butcher team. Like, basically, that's what it is. Like, he's the Sidney Crosby uh, when it comes to butchers. So uh, go go check him out. And uh, maybe you'll be doing so with a $25 gift card from the Acme Meat Market. That'll be up for grabs after we bring you our interview with Corey Hirsch. Uh, and, of course, I want to tell you about Sports and More Live. It comes your way daily at 2 p.m. Mountain Time on the 12-ounce radio network. You can uh, find all of my information uh, at sports uh, or at uh, sportsandmore.ca, uh, but uh, you can find out all the other information on Twitter at Duck Millard. Uh, we post everything daily about our, what our questions are, who our guests are. Uh, Craig Button joined uh, earlier today. Tomorrow it's Derek Van Deest. Uh, What's Your Beef Wednesday tomorrow with Acme Meat Market. You can win another $25 gift card just for chiming in on uh, What's Your Beef Wednesday on Sports and More Live, uh, 2 p.m. on the 12-Ounce Sports Radio Network. You can go to www.12OunceSportsRadio. That's 12OZSportsRadio.com. And you can check out all of our past episodes of the podcast at sportsandmore.ca. All right, the Acme Meat Market trivia question coming up after our Corey Hirsch interview. Let's get to know our featured guest a little bit more with the bio.
time for the bio. Corey Hirsch was born in Medicinat and grew up in Calgary before moving west and joining the Kamloops Blazers in 1989. During his four years with the Blazers, Hirsch was named CHL Goalie of the Year, went to a pair of Memorial Cups, and won once, where he was named the tournament's top goalie. A draft pick of the New York Rangers, he was on the roster for the 94 Stanley Cup win and also wore the Maple Leaf that year at the Olympic Games where he helped Canada win a silver medal. Hirsch was part of the Peter Forsberg move by Peter Forsberg in the gold medal game shootout that later became a postage stamp. Hirsch had stops in Vancouver, Washington, and Dallas before retiring in Europe. He's now part of the Canucks radio broadcast on Sportsnet 650, and more importantly, is a mental health advocate, speaking up about his journey and helping others. Corey, thanks so much for joining me here on Sports and More, the podcast. You can find Corey on Twitter at Corey Hirsch, and you can obviously hear him uh, on Canuck broadcasts on Sportsnet 650. Um, Corey, I want to talk a little bit about, or I want to talk a lot about uh, mental health with you because I believe you're a strong mental health advocate. But I do want to start with some uh, hockey talk because we do have a lot of sports fans that listen to this show. Um, you've seen the Oilers and the Canucks a couple of times in the preseason. What are you thinking of uh, of both rosters? These are these are teams that, you know, their fan base has been suffering for the last little while. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, I, I really like what the Canucks have done. They shored up their defense. Uh, they're up front. Their top six is 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 matches up pretty well with, with a lot of the other teams around the league. The, the bottom six is, is where they're going to probably, they've got good centermen, but they're just not sure on the wing. So that's going to be a little bit of a challenge. Uh, the defense they've shored up. So the Canucks look good. I, I almost see Edmonton as, as the same. Their, their top six are, 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 you know, can compete with anybody in the league. Uh, but what about their bottom six? As soon as you get into those third, fourth lines, I think that's where both teams kind of struggle. I, I see both teams knocking on the door of a playoff spot. I don't know if either will get in. I'm with you. I, I think somebody asked me today about the Oilers, and I said, uh, you know, 10th, I think, would be a big step forward for this team. And uh, once you get that close, uh, you probably get that that real itch. When you're finishing in the bottom five, it's hard to realize uh, what it's like to get in the playoffs, although there are a few guys on this Oiler roster, one of them being Connor McDavid. It is so fun to watch him. But you guys in Vancouver get to watch uh, Elias, Elias Patterson. Uh, yeah. You know, there is excitement uh, in a lot of uh, great Canadian markets right now. What's it like uh, watching Patterson full time? You know what? It's it's it, I, like I don't want I don't want to put him in the category of Connor McDavid. I mean, Connor McDavid's a, an elite elite talent, but it's special to watch because those are guys that you know they'll be playing along, and then all of a sudden they can just turn it up to another level that nobody can compete at, and it's really cool to watch. And and I, that, that's what Connor McDavid can do. Uh, um, uh, Pedersen's the same. It's just kind of you'll be going. I haven't really noticed him today. He hasn't really done much. And then all of a sudden he'll turn it up to another level and you're like, wow, that was uh, impressive. <laughs> and they just, they think the game differently than, than other players do. You, when you're sitting there watching them, you're like, oh, don't do that, don't do that. And then you're like, oh, okay, well, that worked out. Uh, yeah, you, you just keep doing that, kid. <laughs> you know, that's, that's kind of how watching those special players it works. So it's, Canucks are in for a treat with this guy. He's, he's a game breaker. You know, scores 2-2 two, two and, and he's the type of kid that he'll go out and he'll get that next goal. Yeah, and that's what fans want to pay to see. That's what they pay to yeah. see, right? Uh, they want to see Absolutely. that excitement. Like, I'm not going to compare Connor McDavid to Wayne Gretzky because I don't think anybody no. should be compared to Wayne Gretzky. But what I will say no. is Connor McDavid has that uh, same anticipation factor that 
once he jumps yeah. on the ice, you think he could totally, it's 2-2, two, two, it could be 3-2 at any second with him. And 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 I'm not saying Elias Pettersson is the same type of player as Pavel Bure, but he probably brings the yeah. most excitement since a guy like Pavel Bure to Vancouver. Would you, like the Sedins were a different category, oh, yeah. right? Pavel Bure was that game breaker. Yeah. Uh, well, and the Sedins weren't weren't exciting to watch. I mean, yeah, they did. They, they I shouldn't say they weren't exciting, but they they weren't overly flashy. Mm-hmm. They played the game honestly. They played it hard, and they were just extremely talented guys like Connor McDavid and Pedersen. Um, they're they're exciting. They'll bring you out of your seat uh, with something that you don't expect, some sort of play or some sort of move or some sort of pass. Uh, whereas Daniel and Henrik were just almost methodical. Like they just they knew where each other were going to be all the time. Uh, just different types of players. But yeah, that's what you pay for uh, as fans. You want to see the elite talent. I think the NHL has done a great job at allowing players to become elite talent with some of the rules that they've had. I mean, the, the, could you imagine Mario in today's game? My, my <laughs> He'd have 200 points. So I think the NHL has done a good job of cleaning that up. Well, I, I think uh, I feel so lucky and, you know, everybody has their generation and people that watched Gordie Howe or Maurice Richard in their prime probably uh, think that they were the greatest. But it's amazing in my generation to have seen Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux and now okay. Sidney Crosby yeah. and Connor McDavid. It's just, you know, four four generational talents in, in the 43 years I've been alive. It's amazing. It really is. Um and I, I got to play against Mario and, and, and Wayne. So uh, Wayne never scored on me, but Mario scored on me enough for both of them. So. <laughs> was, <laughs> oh, it, was it instant fear uh, when, uh, you know, you're you're faced with a Mario Lemieux one-on-one situation because you just had no idea what was going to happen? Yeah, the first time it sure was. And then once I played him a few times and you start to feel your belong, it's a little different, but... Uh, Mario just had so many things he could do on, on a breakaway. Like Gretzky was never really a good breakaway guy, um, but, he, but Mario could do so many different things with the puck, and he had such a long reach. And it was just it was so intimidating. Whereas Gretzky was just smarter than everybody else mm. on the ice. Yeah, he it, saw the game differently. It, it seemed like Wayne Gretzky was uh, more dangerous the more players there were because it gave him more options to do crazy, yeah. amazing things with the puck, whereas Lemieux one-on-one was so dangerous. Obviously, they were both great, but you know Gretzky cruising yeah. across the blue line and starting to set up, that's what starts to, to paralyze teams with fear. That's what did anyway, right? Yeah. Oh, no question. Well, and, and with, with Gretzky, uh, he never had a shot that, that could really, that wasn't going to, Mario could rip the puck. I mean, he could shoot it just as hard as anybody. But like I said, Gretzky would come in the zone and, he just knew where everybody was and he don't think everybody. And then, you know, he'd end up with, with, uh, you know, five points at the end of the night. Whereas Mario, just, uh, just different players, um, in the sense that Mario was a little bit bigger and stronger, but, uh, wow. Just to, to be able to, to see that. And then, like you say now, again, today, we've got, we're starting to see that talent come through again with Pedersen and Connor McDavid. And, uh, it's just, it's exciting. The game's in a good place. I think. Yeah, I, I think so. The excitement uh, seems to be back. The uh, the high level uh, skill is uh, is coming out uh, in spades. Let's go back to the Canucks for a second. And uh, you know, Elias Pettersson is a big story, and so was Jake Vertanen at uh, training camp this year, and so far in the preseason. What's your thoughts on on um, the the I guess the the everything surrounding Jake Vertanen? What what do you think? Well, it's, everybody wants everybody sees what Jake can be and the potential he has. Um, and everybody's like, Jake, you know, it's, it's all up to him. Um, 
to be able to use that talent and just so so here um we all want him to be a great player. We all want him to, we can all see it that when, when, when he's 30 years old, he's going to go, Oh, why didn't I work out harder? Oh, why didn't I do this? Cause he's, he doesn't see that right now. And he reminds me a lot of myself because I didn't see that when I was that age either, that you have to do the little things uh, in order to be a great player. He's always been the best player at every level he's played at. You get to the NHL and everybody's been the best player. So now you've got to figure out a way to stay in that level. And we all see that Jake can do it, and we're just we're waiting for him to decide when he wants to do it. How about uh, a position you know very uh, very well, having played it in the NHL, and uh, that's the goaltending position with Vancouver. Um, you know, uh, you, I, I'm I'm a big fan, uh, or you know, was a big fan of Thatcher Demko uh, in college, and I'm excited what uh, he can do when he you know at the NHL level. Uh, but you've got a guy who at one point was considered the best goalie outside of North America when he was a junior. Uh, what do you think about uh, Jakob Markstrom and the and the Canucks goaltending situation? He's he's 29 now, and what's cool to see is is that um, goalies now start to become in their prime at that age, 28, 29, 30. So his best years are coming up here in the next probably four or five years, and um, it seems like he just keeps getting better and better. Ian Clark has done a really nice job with him. As soon as Ian Clark came to Vancouver, uh, that's when that's when Jacob's game changed. That's when he started to uh, really come into his own, and and I give uh, I give him a lot of credit. I give him credit for doing the work, and I give Ian Clark credit for helping him and teaching him, uh, you know, along the way of, of what a goalie needs to do in the National Hockey League to stay in the National Hockey League. I want to go back to uh, your hockey career, and you played in Kamloops for four years. You went to two Memorial Cups, and you won. Uh, in your final year and uh, just one of the many uh, championships that that organization has had. Um, you know, Kamloops had this aura of just being dominant back in that day, didn't they? Oh, uh, we, you know what? They didn't have a draft. So when I got, I got listed um, and a bunch of other players got listed. So if you had good scouts, uh, you could have a really good team. And Kamloops always had really good scouts. So right. they just, they, they had guys that worked hard. The draft came in and changed everything. So then it evened out the playing field. But um, Kamloops, uh, you know, it was just a great place to play. It was a good environment. They they gave you a safe place to play as a kid. They really brought you and taught you how to be a family. And if you look at all those guys that played on those teams, you know, they're, they're broadcasters, they're coaches in the NHL. They're, the majority have been very successful in terms of, of after post hockey. And I give the Council players a lot of credit for that, for all of us, because they taught us how to be men. They taught us how to be responsible, how to be accountable. Um, and it was just such an amazing place to play. And it's not, no doubt why we, why we won so many championships. Do you think the Memorial Cup is up there as far as hardest trophies to win? Because you got to get through all your playoffs and then you got to switch to a round robin <laughs> format and play teams that you don't know. Uh, it's it's like it, it, I'm not saying it's as hard as winning the Stanley Cup because that's the highest level, but it'd be like winning the Stanley Cup and then you got to go win another tournament. It, it, so yeah, it, it's um, there's what 22 to 25 teams in each league: the Quebec League, the OHL, and the WHL. So you, I mean, you have to be the best out of 75 teams in your age group between the ages of 16 and 20. So no question, it's a difficult trophy to win. And um, it's it's amazing what Camloops did. Three and four years, 
is I, I don't think that'll ever happen again. I, I really don't. Um, the, the guys that did it and, and the organization and, and hats off to them because uh, that's impressive. But yeah, it's a, uh, it's a very difficult trophy to win because you've got and it's kids. So yeah. you have to, you're not coaching adults, you're coaching kids. So you've got to get all these kids together and have them uh, all the different personalities, hormones, um, you know, homesick, and you have to get them to all buy in and bring them together to be able to win a championship. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. That's why it's uh, you know so uh, impressive when teams can do it either back to back or or multiple times. Uh, also, really impressive is you started all eight games at the 1994 Olympics. And, uh, you know, when you look back on your career wearing the Maple Leaf in that environment, is is that, uh, you know, maybe right up there as far as career highlights? Oh, no question it is. It, um, it, it really, it really is. It was uh, such a, a wild experience. But, I, you know, I, the way I looked at it was is that I was always able, there was always something else. I was always going to go try and play in the NHL. So the Olympics were probably second on my list. Um, Whereas he had playing in the NHL for the Stanley Cup was number one. So that actually kind of took the pressure off as a kid. Uh, what impressed me the most is that there's other athletes there. They train eight hours a day up at 6 a.m. eating, you know, living in poverty for 30 seconds at a gold medal. And that's what really stuck with me. Is that you see, that's why you see the tears. That's why you see elation. That's why you see guys completely break down after an event because they train that hard. And they might have a minute to show what they can do. And mm. it's absolutely incredible uh, to see someone perform in that environment. That's uh, that's um, that would almost be motivating uh, to, to see how, you know, their, their, their whole athletic career built up to those 30 seconds. It's that, that would motivate me to want to do what I, you know, is do as much as I could with my sporting event, wouldn't it? No, no question. It really does. It's also... Um, uh, it just puts things in perspective too that that a lot of those athletes weren't going to go on to make millions right. and they weren't going to play. There was no NHL. That was it. Um, and they they did it because they loved the sport and they wanted to be in the Olympics, not because they were trying to make a career out of it and make millions of dollars. Like they did it for the love of the sport. Right. Uh, you were obviously part of a pretty iconic moment at that game. So, um, you know, never mind that a hockey game for a gold medal should never end in a shootout, in my opinion. But um, <laughs> I, I think you were probably going to end up on a stamp one way or the other. If, if you if you won, uh, you, you might be on a posted stamp in Canada. That, yeah, you know, exactly. that, that's probably something you get asked about a lot. Uh, you know, at the time, it's disappointing. But uh, you look back, at, look back now, it's a pretty iconic moment. Oh, it's a very iconic moment. It's... Um kept me relevant in history really is what it's done <laughs> um, you know if I didn't get scored on that goal does anybody remember who Corey Hirsch is from the Olympics <laughs> maybe not <laughs> so uh, when I look at that moment um, it was Peter Forsberg and I and it's actually given me a step on the mental health stuff that I do because uh, through the Olympics I've, I kind of became a bit of a, a, a household name now I'm a D-list celebrity of course let's let's go <laughs> let's not get too carried away but um, it's what helped it's what's driven a lot of my mental health stuff because when I came out with my story, you know, it added to my story here. I was in the Olympics. I just won an Olympic medal. Uh, mm-hmm. I was on a run with the Rangers in the Stanley cup and I got really sick. So mentally, so, you know, if I don't, if I don't win a silver medal or that moment doesn't happen, is my story as impactful? I, I, I don't know. I don't think so. 
Yeah, I think it certainly uh, uh, adds to it, and and you know if it if it attracts uh, somebody because of that, and then they learn something about mental health, and uh, you know all the power to it. I'm gonna I want to segue into mental health in one second, but I just want to one final about your career, your favorite NHL arena to play in. Which one? Oh, favorite Madison Square Garden. Yeah, um, oh. no question, Madison Square Garden. It's just the coolest building in the world, downtown Manhattan. You know, you, you think of all the all the great legendary performers that have performed there. Um, it's on the fourth floor or the fifth floor of a building. It's it's just it's absolutely electric going into that building, um, and it's a it, it's a beautiful building. They've done a nice job of renovating it. it and it's just the history. It's everything around it. It's um, and also the fact that you know the, uh, I didn't win a Stanley Cup, but I was on that roster and I saw how mm. it was won with the New York Rangers. So. Um, you know, it's just, it's a pretty cool memory to have. Uh, my, my wife and my uh, father-in-law, uh, attended your, uh, uh, speaking engagement here in St. Albert, um, a little while ago. And, uh, you know, uh, the reason I wanted you to have on this, uh, podcast, uh, is to talk about uh, mental health. Um, I'm on that journey as well. I've tried to be as open as I can because, uh, um, you know, when I had a platform on the radio, I talked about it as much as I can. And, um, you know, y- you just get one text message from a listener that says thanks, and you know that you're making a difference. So I really applaud that you do these speaking engagements. But, but and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you about a story you told, and I wasn't there, so I'm paraphrasing, but the, the first time, or not maybe the first time, but when your teammates found out you were dealing with mental health, there was, uh, like, the, the dressing room was kind of split on the reaction. Is Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, it, it was because they, they, I mean we're talking twenty three years ago, and, yes. and guys didn't understand it. They didn't know, and it, it's not any of their fault for how they reacted. It's there's stigma attached to it. There's still stigma attached to it. Um, some people had never seen that before, and then other guys didn't believe it was happening. Right? It was like uh, they they just kind of thought it was, um, you know, uh, uh, they didn't really believe in mental health at that point because what you don't know, you're afraid of. Um, so yeah, so I, I'd say one third of the team was empathetic. One third of the team uh, didn't really care. Just you know, whatever. Just get him better so that he can win us games. And one third of the team tried to get me traded. Hmm. So um, you know, the, and I don't. Uh, I'm thankful for the third that were empathetic. And I do not ever, ever hold any ill will against the other ones because they didn't understand, and right. no, nobody did. I didn't even understand. Well, and and the reason I I wanted to bring up that story, because I I wanted to ask you this question, if that situation happens today, uh, I think the reaction is totally different. Uh, There might be a few guys that still don't understand or don't believe or whatever, but that is in the minority today. While there still is a stigma, it has totally changed, hasn't it, in in NHL dressing rooms and sporting events everywhere. I I think we still have a long way to go, Um, but I I do believe it has changed. and I do believe that you have to remember what happened with me was, is that I had a complete breakdown in front of my teammates. So it was actually kind of scary, um, to be honest, like uh, to the point where I, I wasn't functioning, you know, like where I wasn't even getting out of bed or where I wasn't even, um, you know, I wasn't able to play. So to them, it, you know, they didn't understand if I was suicidal, if I was, uh, if I was just sick or if it was something else or what it was like, they, they didn't know. And, and I kept them in the dark about it too, because I didn't want them to know. Of so I think there's a lot more dialogue around it today that, um, you know, is probably better. It's a lot more open, easier to talk about, to have people understand. So but part of that responsibility was on me 
because I didn't want anybody to know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was, was 25 years ago. So it's, um, it was scary for a lot of people and myself. How did the league react? Uh, league didn't really didn't know what was going on. Um, it was more, we kept it within the confines of the team. Okay. Um, you know, they just, they would just call it like a nervous breakdown or, mm-hmm. or something like that back then. But you know, there was no terms for it. That's changed yeah, that's now, completely yeah. changed. Yeah. I mean, what is a nervous breakdown? <laughs> you know, nowadays that's kind of right. a, that was kind of a blanket statement for anybody that you didn't understand what they were dealing with, whether it was depression anxiety, OCD, bipolar, whatever, they would just be like, oh, nervous breakdown. Right. Oh, okay. Well, get them out of here. <laughs> right? The NHL has done a very nice job of trying to encourage guys to come forward. Dr. Shaw is amazing. Uh, he, he heads up all the NHL mental health and rehab stuff. Um, this guy is absolutely incredible. He still checks on me today. Uh, every once in a while, hey, Hershey, how you doing? Text me. Um, you know, yeah. So uh, they really do try. It's just the it's, Ultimately, it's up to the players to come forward, um, and and a lot of them don't want to. Right. I I, I hope what uh, how public Robin Leonard was will help others uh, come forward. Don't you? Uh, yeah, I would think so. Yeah, uh, but some guys are still reluctant. Some guys are still still scared. Um, hmm. You know, we need more more active players to come forward to make it really impactful. But you know what? And it's not. It's not anybody's business but their own, really. So, um, you know, if you found out you had had diabetes and you're a hockey player, well, that's up to you if you want to share it. It's right. not. It, it's it, it shouldn't really matter if someone comes forward or not uh, and wants things publicly. A lot of guys don't want stuff publicly. Uh, so it's a personal thing, and I'd like to see more guys come forward because it helps other people. But it's still it's it's nobody's business but their own. Mm-hmm. I just hope that it even even regardless of whether they come forward and be public, just reach out and get help. Even yeah, um, you know, exactly. seeing seeing somebody uh, explain that they have issues and um, you know, and, and this journey with mental health and and their these are their their coping mechanisms. Maybe it's like okay, I'll reach out and, and ask for help. Um, what are what are some uh, coping mechanisms for you on on tougher days? Uh, what are some things that uh, that you do? It's exercise. For me, it's all, it's all about exercise. It's all about going for a run. It's all about uh, eating properly, proper sleep, um, you know, getting to see my therapist, uh, doing the things that I need to do to take care of me. Um, so that, that's really what it boils down to is, is exercise is a big one. Exercise does not magically make it go away, but it helps. It helps to get the endorphins going, whether it's a walk or something, uh, getting on medication if you need to get on medication. There's still a huge stigma attached to medication, which is ridiculous because, um, you know, we'll take Oxycontin for pain, but we won't take a, 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 a antidepressant for our brain, mm-hmm. right? And we know that we know what Oxycontins have done to people. So it's like, uh, it's ridiculous that medication isn't accepted still today. And the reason I'm sitting here talking to you is because, I, I, because of medication. I wouldn't be here. Um, I would not be here if I did not, uh, have medication when I needed it. I'm medication free right now, but you know, I know it's there if I need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I, I'm the, I'm the same boat as you. Um, I, I used medication to help me through a really tough period. And, um, you, you, you mentioned that you wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here as well without, uh, you know, the support of my wife. What stopped you? What was the thing that, that's, that thankfully stopped you so we can conduct this interview today? Um, a sliver of hope really that's about it mm-hmm. that that um 
uh, you know, the, the resilience that I had playing hockey that taught me, but just the sliver of hope that there was help available that, um, that's pretty much the only reason. Uh, I can't, I don't know why I can't explain it. I never, I never really wanted to die. Um, you just want everything to just stop. You want the hurt to stop. You want the, the anxiety to stop, you know, after so long, you can only take so much. Um, but yeah, that, that sliver of hope and, um, and I was right. So, uh, there was hope out there that there was something available. Um, and I can't imagine if, if, (laughs) well, I mean, you know, I wouldn't be here. So, uh, and what a travesty that would be. Yeah, totally. Um, the the amount of times, or the, you know, the really dark times where I, I felt like I can't fight anymore, and I've just I'm I'm down, beat. Uh, I'm I'm ready to go. You know, I don't want to live anymore because you're right. I, it's not that you want to die. You just don't want to deal with the this. W- w- it's hard to explain. And uh, you know, the you're fact tired. that yeah, you're you're tired of fighting. You're, you're really tired of fighting. Yeah. And my my wife will not let me give up. And obviously, I'm thankful to have you know, that, uh, support or family, no family support. So, uh, you, you need that. Now, I also wanted to talk to you about, um, you know, schools and, uh, you know, the, you, I think a part of your, uh, speaking engagement in St. Albert, uh, was in relation to that. It's, uh, back to school for a couple of weeks now. What do you think it is important to talk to your kids about when it comes to, you know, being a bully, being bullied or seeing somebody getting bullied at school? Because we know that, uh, you know, years of bullying uh, can lead to, unfortunately, suicide for some kids. How do we we talk to our kids about this, Corey? Well, I I think it's the fact that, I mean, I'll I'll take it a a step back. Um, the reason I talk to school kids is because I, you know, I have a bit of a chip on my shoulder because why was that information withheld from me? Uh, why was mental health information withheld from me when I was in school? It almost killed me. Um, and all you need to do is give me the info. Mm-hmm. So, um, for me, it's about giving the kids the info of, of what to do. And if, if something goes wrong in their brain, that it's okay to get help. Um, because I, I don't want that to happen. It's ridiculous that we withhold the info from them. As far as the bullying stuff, it's never going to end. Um, we're never all of a sudden going to, uh, humanity's going to go, okay, bullying's over, <laughs> you know. But what you need to do, what we need to do is we need to teach our kids how to deal with it if they are being bullied, how to deal with the mental health issues that come with it, how to tell somebody if it's happening to them um, so that we can deal with it. Uh, social media, uh, for as much good as it is sometimes, it's, you know, Twitter is, Twitter is um, acceptable bullying. I've, I've been part of it. Platforms like that, I think it's good. We should probably try and keep our kids away from and to just teach them and realize that it's unacceptable. Um, just because you have a keyboard and nobody can see your face doesn't mean that you it gives you, uh, you know, free reign to say whatever you want uh, and teach them that with our kids that um, if you're not going to say it to someone's face, don't say it behind a keyboard. Because um, I, I get people all the time that, you know, call me a moron for saying something on, uh, you know, on air. will call me names and, t- and Twitter and all that. But they're the same person. If I was walking down the street, they'd be like, "Hey, Corey, can we get a picture? Hey, X Canuck, you're my favorite player." Mm-hmm. So it's, um, yeah, and it's just because you're behind a keyboard doesn't mean that it gives you an opportunity to to treat someone poorly. Yeah, it's, uh, you know. I often ask uh, different athletes that I uh, interview, uh, you know, how they deal with uh, social media, and uh, I, I have I have zero tolerance. Um, you're uh, blocked. Uh, I don't have to Me deal too. with that because here's how I look at it, Corey. 
you would not let somebody come up to you on the street and start, uh, you know, saying either racial or homophobic or big, no, what any exactly. of that crap. You would walk away from it, or or you would, you know, do so. You would you would respond no to it, right? So if somebody starts going off on me on Twitter, they're instantly blocked. Like my my you know my life is too short to deal with. Pardon my uh, French, assholes like that. Yeah. That you don't even know. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, that you have never really hardly interacted yeah. with. So the, the the weird thing I find is is why do they follow uh, us or anybody that they don't like and uh, and 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 throw all this garbage at in the first place? Like, uh, why waste your breath on it? I don't know. There's you know sometimes sometimes people suck. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, but I'm I'm with you. The, my the block button button's my best friend. I don't even bother to respond. I'm just like. You say anything derogatory, you say anything, you swear, you say anything, call anybody a name, walk. Mm-hmm. And I don't even look at it again. You don't get you don't get access to my stuff. That's yeah. just the way it is. Um, we are obviously more aware of uh, mental health today uh, than we were. You know, like I look back at my life now, Corey, and, and, and I'm like, oh, there's a sign, there's a sign, there's a sign. Uh, and I think if, if, if we were, were where we are today then, uh, my life, I think, would be a, a little bit different. Maybe something would have caught uh, earlier. Maybe we could have detected signs earlier. But how do you think that, what is the proper way to, to talk to our kids about mental illness so that there isn't that stigma that, that maybe we went through when we were younger? Uh, just full, honest conversation, the same way we'd, we'd speak to them about, you know, about, about sex education. Full, honest conversation that... Um, you know, here's the here's the signs and symptoms of things. Here's if you start thinking a little bit differently, or if you start to spiral or feel depressed. Like, give them the signs and symptoms of everything, and it's it's open dialogue. It's talking to me about stuff, um, and and it's you know, if you're ever feeling suicidal, um, not to embarrass, be ashamed uh, of that. That if you're feeling suicidal, come talk to me. Uh, let's talk about this. Uh, there's nothing to be ashamed of with those thoughts. Um, I don't know anybody out there that hasn't thought of that. Um, and it's it, that it's okay, that it's okay to have that conversation, uh, and, and get the help. So I, I think that that's really what it is, is an open, honest conversation. And when you don't have that, you run the risk of, of, uh, you know, we know mental illness is one in five. So 20%, uh, you have four, five, four or five people in your family. Um, one of them is going to have a mental illness. <laughs> That's just the way it is. Uh, it, it, there's no discrimination. doesn't matter if you're an athlete, doctor, uh, lawyer, uh, truck driver, construction worker. There's zero discrimination in mental health. Um, and you have to be ready if it's going to happen in your family. And I think, uh, you know, having that conversation, uh, you know, with your kids or your family members is important, but also, you know, as we're doing now, having that conversation in public and, uh, and, and breaking down that, uh, wall, that, uh, that stigma that surrounds, uh, mental health. And, and, you know, I, 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 you know, when I worked with uh, bell, uh, we had bell let's talk day and, you know, I, I try to continue it, you know, as much as I can when I was on the air. Um, and, and like I said, it's amazing the amount of people that uh, you, you hear from um, that said, hey, man, I, I appreciate you doing that. I went and talked to my doctor or something. That's how we do it, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. Because all of a sudden it makes it okay. It's like, huh. And sometimes with mental health, um, you don't really know what's happened. So, mm-hmm. you know, when, when, it first, when, it, when I first started getting sick, I didn't really know what was happening. So if I could have heard something from somebody else, um, 
uh, you know, that would have helped me that would have said, and then I could have said, Oh, this is just mental illness. It's not a big deal. Go get help. Um, that would have been a, that would have been a huge thing. But back then, um, you know, I scoured for books and stuff of people that, that had gotten better through mental health, that there was hope that there was uh, a chance to get better. I found nothing and it was so discouraging. And that's when I promised myself that if I ever did get better, that one day I would tell, you know, what happened to me? Because I know what it's like to be out there and look for hope and look for uh, any story where someone wasn't doomed to a life of, of mental health issues. Um, and I couldn't find anything, and it was so discouraging. Well, and now uh, we have those stories available, and, and you're one That's of awesome. them. And, and I was, uh, I'm was i grateful that you were uh, give me, able to give me some time and tell that story today. Uh, I, I look forward to um, the days down the road, Corey, where we see, uh, uh, back to hockey now, we see some uh, uh, Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver playoff matchups in the next little while. Wouldn't that be amazing again? <laughs> It'd be so cool. I'm, I'm excited about it. I think we'll get there. I never count out a team with Connor McDavid on. And that's what I'll say to other fans is, is that never count out a team that has the best player in the world. <laughs> so, um, and I think Connor McDavid's primed and ready to go again this year. All right. Keep up the good fight, Corey. Thanks so much, man. Okay. Thank you. I just thank you. and more podcast with Dean Millard. Spending your time here with me And I want to spend all my time with you That is the uh, wonderful sound of Sweet Bejesus, the, the official band of Sports and More, the podcast and Sports and More Live. It's Kevin Dabbs, Christian Gutzis of a sweet bejesus you could check out their uh, debut album policeman's creek on apple music and uh, that was uh falling fast uh, i believe uh, from uh, the wonderful band of uh, sweet bejesus uh, check them out on apple music all right uh, we had a great interview with Corey hirsch and it's time to uh, reward you for listening uh, as if you didn't get enough out of that interview uh, already uh, just a, a great open honest conversation about how we can talk to your kids and also a few things that maybe help you Corey mentioned uh, exercise uh, for me it's music uh, you know so I I just sometimes uh, you know even when I'm in a bad mood and uh, you know s- sometimes with uh, depression anxiety uh, mental health issues you sometimes don't this sounds gonna sound weird you don't want to get cheered up that's at least for me i get in these ruts where i don't want anybody to help me i just want to be sullen and i'll put on some iron maiden and and soon i'll find myself getting so into the music even though i didn't want to i'm I'm coming out of my down lull um you know my my depression that day um without even knowing it i kind of almost tricked myself so uh, i'm a big paul mccartney guy that helps me a lot um, you know, you just put on some music, something that, uh, you know, it's impossible not to tap your toe to or something. Um, and listen, I'm not saying music cures me, uh, or cures anybody of depression. It just helps on some of those tough days. It doesn't help all the time. There's some things that are, um, just beyond that and they need, uh, you know, something stronger, um, a doctor's visit, um, even a trip to the emergency to talk to somebody 
things like that. Don't ever be afraid. You would go to the emergency if you had a broken arm, if you had a cut hand. Go to, you know, you, you know, you know, if, if it's serious, I'm saying, uh, you know, if, if you are having suicidal thoughts, you need to get to emergency. You need to talk to somebody. It sounds pretty simple, but unfortunately, a lot of people, they don't take that uh, advice. So uh, you would heal a broken bone. Let's heal, help heal your mind. And I think Corey had some, uh, some great um, suggestions and some great thoughts on that. So. The Acme Meat Market trivia question up for grabs, $25 GC from Acme Meat Market. Um, we did some jerky from there. I got picked up some uh, some uh, jerky meat uh, from there a while back. Did some beef jerky on my buddy Smoker. Oh, my God, it was awesome. Uh, so any kind of thing you need, uh, it's so delicious. I got some T-bones from Acme Meat Market a while back. Man, they were awesome. So go check them out in the Ricky Mar- Richie Market, rather. Uh, Corey, Amanda, and their wonderful staff, 9570 76th Avenue. Check out their website, acmemeatmarket.ca. Since 1921. And know, as I mentioned before, when you get something from Corey the Butcher, that's his Twitter handle, by the way, at Corey the Butcher, you're getting it from one of top Canada's top butchers, recently named to the Team Canada for the World Butcher's Challenge in September 2020. So, Corey, basically an Olympic-caliber butcher. Uh, Corey Hirsch, obviously an Olympic-caliber goaltender as he backstopped Canada to a silver medal at the 1994 Games. So here's how you can win a gift card to Acme Meat Market. Corey Hirsch played every game at the Olympics. Who are the other two goalies on the roster? You have to name one of them. Name one of the two backup goalies who didn't play behind Corey, Corey Hirsch at the 94 games. Uh, they were the backup. Uh, I don't even know if uh, one guy even dressed. I think it might have been one of the other two guys. Uh, so um, check it out. Um, name me one of the two goaltenders uh, that was on the roster for the 1994 Olympic Games. And you can win this gift card simply by emailing me sportsandmorepod at gmail.com. That is sportsandmorepod at gmail.com. You know what you want a GC for Acme Meat Market. Send me an email, sportsandmorepod at gmail.com. Tell me who uh, one of the two backup goalies were behind Corey Hirsch at the 1994 Olympic Games. Last week's answer... Uh, was our question was what town did Darren Drager start his broadcasting career in? Uh, that was Yorkton at GX94. Tanya was our winter winner, so she'll be enjoying uh, some uh, steaks or uh, ribs or whatever else from Acme Meat Market. Maybe you just want to spend uh, your $25 GC on the shirts that they have or the beer koozies. Those are pretty cool as well. It's, it's worth the trip down to the Ritchie Market just to check out uh, how cool some of their uh, shirts and things are. So uh, if you missed Darren Drager last week, I highly recommend checking it out. We had a great conversation and I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Corey Hirsch, former NHL goaltender, uh, now an analyst on the uh, Canucks broadcast uh, for radio, but more importantly, a mental health advocate. Uh, spreading the word that uh, you do not need to be ashamed. We can all get through this with a little help from our friends. Thanks very much for joining us. Check out Sports and More Live 
Also, the Cannabis 101 podcast coming out on Wednesday. Uh, we have some cool, a cool prize pack uh, for a lot of our fans. A 50% discount on something I think you'll want to check out. And the Prospects Baseball Show this week featured the voice of the Red Deer Rebels, Cam Moon. Massive baseball fan. He's also a coach, a baseball dad. His son played in Europe this year playing pro. And uh, he's a fanatic. Uh, so we, we had a great interview with uh, Mooner. And we also talked on uh, the top five best nicknames in all of baseball. Big thanks to Corey Hirsch for joining me today. Hope you got something out of that conversation. Remember, sick not weak, and playtime is over. All the things that grow up on the land I could pick up with my huge hands I could wave to someone in Yucatan This is the Sports and More podcast with Dean Millard. If I only had those two years.